You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom, speaking from a hotel room in the middle of the maelstrom known as the San Diego Comic-Con in its 50th year. It's been a busy couple of weeks, I think I've warned you folks. Right now, I'm, I got another panel today, and I had two yesterday, but I also did a panel last week at VidCon where I enjoyed uh, the 10th year of that gathering of kids and industry professionals and all the influencers and online creators who come together in one big, crazy set of stuff at the Anaheim Convention Center. There, I had a chance to sit down with the co-founders of World of Wonder, a really successful, one of the few left, independent video producers out there, production companies out there. They've been in the heart of Hollywood for 19 years and have been somehow making it all work for nearly three decades. I don't even know how they've managed to do it, but they've been uh, diversifying madly and we had a great conversation. At the same time, I couldn't help noticing as VidCon gets bigger and I think generally better, certainly much better capitalized now that it's a part of Viacom, which has a lot more money than uh, the bootstrapped VidCon originally had, that it's uh, also evolving in some some ways that I think are probably reflective of the industry as a whole as it gets, uh, as more money comes in, more brands come in and all that. I think they did a great job running the show, but I couldn't help feeling as they put the industry track instead of on the third floor of the main building into the second floor of a separate building that's just been opened in the last year, the North Hall, next to the arena. And it puts you, as an industry track member, as I was, uh, away from the thousands and thousands and thousands of fans and the exhibited hall and, you know, a lot of the energy and the, the stuff that really, I think, is at the heart of what VidCon is. Still a great show. Lots of resources there. Very much worthwhile. But uh, it, it changes things. I wrote about it in Two Filter and uh, recommend you dig out what I was thinking because I'm a little concerned that as it gets bigger and more corporatized and more siloed, that people will lose track of all those youthful fans and their energy and their enthusiasm and their engagement. You know, all that kind of gets pushed off to the side and turned into a commodity. And that's, I think, a shame for an industry that is driven by so much passion. Anyway, uh, again, great show, and I had a great conversation with Randy Barbado and Fenton Bailey, the co-founders of World of Wonder, the guys behind RuPaul's Drag Race, and so much else. I think it's uh, really worthwhile to give it a listen, and we'll be back in just a minute. And here's my conversation with Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbado of World of Wonder. Please welcome writer and podcaster for Forbes and Two Filter, David Bloom. Hey everybody, how are you They're co-founders for the World of Wonder, the folks behind RuPaul's Drag Race, retail, other other cool things. Uh, I did not wear my purple sequin platform shoes, so I apologize to you all for that. But without further ado, Doug Bailey and Randy Barbados. Randy, go. 
So you guys have been producing trying to hear this in the old school voice. Hollywood way, in Hollywood, actual physical Hollywood, for nearly 30 years, despite their youthful demeanors. Uh, but you all have branched out in some really interesting ways. Real quickly, tell everybody the shows you're doing beyond RuPaul's Drag Race now in its fifth year. What else are you guys working on? Drag Race still is in its tenth year. Tenth year. So, yeah. Uh, fifth year twice over. Yeah. And there's, there's also a Drag Race Canada that we do. There's Drag Race UK, uh, Drag Race Thailand, and more Drag Races. You can't have enough. Can't have enough drag races. Uh, you know, we do a series called Million Dollar Listings for Bravo, Million Dollar Listings in LA and uh, uh, New York. We do a show called Backyard Envy, which is all about. It does for um, gardening what Top Chef does for food. Okay. Kind of. All right. Kind of. A little Tobiary with taste. <laughs> yes. And we also do a lot of documentaries. Right. Uh, maybe we thought look at the pictures, uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye, which is one of the first ones we did. That was very early in your all's time. What is? Okay. Very good. It's coming back. It's coming back as a movie which with uh, Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye and Andrew. Andrew Doctor. So who's playing the makeup? Again, the eyes of Tammy Faye. I know, it's going to be, haven't, haven't uh, cast that. Right. <laughs> She's one of the first drag queens we worked with. Right, and she didn't even know it. She wasn't trying, she was a natural. So, so this is interesting. So this was a show that you were, uh, a feature league documentary you all did 20 years ago. That is now coming back. And that's kind of new DNA for you guys. So talk about that and that move. Well, it is, and yet also I think we believe that a, a story, it isn't really, you know, people talk about, um, it's not the size of the screen that matters, it's the dimension of the story. And a story can be told in multiple different ways. It could be a documentary, and we've seen this trend of many documentaries becoming feature films. In fact, a few years ago, many years ago, now we turned Party Monster, a documentary about a true life murder and club kids, into a, a movie that we wrote and directed called Party Monster. Right, I've heard about that. I didn't realize it came out of a documentary. What is the difference, though, for you all from a creative standpoint, going from a doc or a, an unscripted reality show, uh, such as reality may be in a, in a TV show, uh, to a, a scripted film or episodic show. Is, is, it, is it a big shift for you guys creatively? Um, I'm not sure that it is a big uh, shift for us because I think everything that we do is all about how best to tell the story, how um, how to have them, you know, to create the most impact. I'll give you a really specific example. We just uh, did a, a short documentary for YouTube, uh, Stonewall Out Loud, and we partnered with uh, uh, StoryCorp, which is um, an organization that connects uh, or collects audio recordings and has the largest uh, library of audio recordings in the world. You hear them on NPR all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bits and they'll have some theme and then it goes to the Smithsonian? Yes, they all go to the Smithsonian and they actually, StoryCorps did the first documentary about Stonewall over 20 years ago. It was an audio documentary and YouTube came to us and said, how can we bring this to light for a new generation? And at first we said you can't. 
Um, but then we started thinking about it and started stonewalling. We were stonewalling them. But then we thought, oh my god, um, we can get young actors and um, sort of uh, media stars to lip sync this documentary. So it's it's basically all these young actor, actors. Uh, we in our show Drag Race, there's. Uh, the last act has something called Lip Sync for Your Life. And so this documentary is sort of basically one long lip sync for your life. It's a lot of lip syncing. I mean, it's a lot of lip syncing, but it's actually really powerful. And it was really interesting to watch these young people truly connect with the voices of the pioneers who are actually at Stonewall when the riot happened. So, so I, I just share that as an example of like for us, each story, it, it's all about the story. It's less about what, whether we're doing it in a fictional way or a non-fictional way. So I'm, I'm guessing with all that lip syncing that you're thinking of TikTok is your next natural platform. <laughs> well, I'm hearing there's a lot of drag race music on TikTok. I bet there is. What the royalty, I don't think you're the only person wondering about the royalty yeah. on TikTok, though I'm sure I'm stepping on TikTok, we need to talk. Yeah, you're not the only one in the music business that says that. So the, the music you guys, and you commission your own music, obviously, and, and have some proprietary interest in how it's being used. Um, we do when we can, so and, and like, like everything, like World of Wonder, there's a lot of people who work at World of Wonder, many of them are young directors, um, or not so young directors, I mean, we will, and, and there are songwriters, and so we, we, we like to work with creative people and find ways for them to do creative work that, um, that they can't really find in, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's hard whether you're uh, a documentary filmmaker or a songwriter who hasn't completely hit. You haven't broken through. So this is interesting because there are more opportunities in so-called PTV than ever. It's complicated, though, in the reality space. How, uh, when you all try to give them opportunities, I mean, are you, are you incubating new programs and like short films and stuff and social media as part of what you're doing? I mean, what, how are you taking advantage of that young talent? Well, we, um, we have a YouTube channel called Wow Presents uh, with about um, almost one and a half million subscribers. And we've also launched a, a SVOD channel called Wow Presents Plus. Three ninety nine a month, less than the price of a latte, but so much more. Uh, if only we had a blinking neon sign on right enforce that message. So, so you all got into VOD, which I think is your subscription VOD, so you're not the next Netflix, but this is a really interesting decision because you really have to generate a fair amount of content to provide value. So how do you all do that to keep that velocity of content creation going? I, I think you know Netflix is, is the elephant in the room or the giant or, or however you want to call them. But pick your BMS. Exactly, but they don't, it doesn't have to be about BMS. And I think that audience audiences want to find something that's original and authentic and speaks to them. And so it isn't necessarily about bigness, you know? And I think good for Netflix wanting to rule the world. Okay, go ahead. But we are in a, we see ourselves more as a family of creators, whether you subscribe or whether you create. We don't really draw that distinction. It's really this one large family and this sort of Experience. We uh, our, our offices are on Hollywood Boulevard. We're opposite Muslim Franks, and we have a, a ground floor gallery and retail space. And our goal is to really create a, a sense of a, an extended sense of family, 
Well, this is great because they, they are across the street from the best martini in Los Angeles, uh, where Faulkner and lots of other famous names and Jim Morrison used to drink and eat. So that, that's your commissary, no doubt. But why, so talk to me about how much programming works for being a small, targeted VOD, SVOD project. I mean, what works I and mean, what? how much do you need to create, say, on a monthly basis to keep those people happy and keep your churn down? It's not as many as you might think, and I think we've had, we've had, we have been surprised by the success and enthusiasm for Wow Presents Plus to the extent that we're able to make original content specifically for it. A uh, recent series we did, um, Work the World, is behind the scenes of the official drag race tour, and we follow the queens, we follow 12 queens, 10 countries, and it's doing really well. And oh well, I think you have some news to announce. So, well, we're going to do season two. All right, that's great. It's a work in the world. And that's, that's long-form content. That's, that's uh, 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 you know, long-form documentary series, which probably we can sell to another streamer because that show, Drag Race, is a huge global hit. Um, but for us, part of you know, continuing to produce content, our own content, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's partially about having that complete creative freedom. And so we might, have, we, we might not have the same budget size, but, but we have um, what we can't, what we don't have in budget, we make up with in enthusiasm and creative freedom. And hard work, obviously. Hard work. Spelled W-E-R-Q. Do it appropriately. Now, in terms of the, the VOD searches, I find that there's so much competition out there. Do you all, can you talk about how many subs you have or any of those kinds of metrics to give people an idea of? Not really, but what, what I can tell you is that it is profitable. We don't have outside investors, so we are able to sustain and we are able to increase the amount of original content we're making. Represents Plus is essentially the home for all things Drag Race in the first instance because Drag Race Canada will be on it, Drag Race UK will be on it, Drag Race US is on it, and, it's, and Drag Race Thailand, and it's available worldwide. So that's quite a lot of content. So, so it has that like as an engine, but this the third quarter of this year we'll be announcing like probably two or three other long form series for WoW Presents Plus. So it's got enough subs and enough traffic for us to be able not only to be profitable, but for us to be able to produce pretty good content for it. Well, and that's what's so this is what's so exciting to us about this opportunity is that not knocking Netflix. They're amazing, but for them, it's always about the algorithm and what the algorithm says works. And it doesn't seem to really take into account people as individuals with passion. They all get mashed into an algorithm. And I just think if you're a person, that could be an unsatisfying experience. And what I love about what we're able to do on Wireless is first is complete creative freedom. Right. And Working as we work with networks over the years, it's very rare to have a complete, to just do what you think is the right thing to do, or what you think is exciting and innovative. So often, you know, understandably, cable networks have notes, and they have advertisers, and they have all sorts of demographic information that requires you to sometimes 
blind to find what you're making. And, and World of Wonder as a company, I mean, we've always been built on this idea that today's fringe is tomorrow's mainstream, that we always identify with the outsider. We, we believe that we are actually all outsiders. There's an actual idea um, that drives the company, the people who work there, and the content that comes out of okay. World of Wonder. And I think, you know, the new media landscape, it, it's sort of great because it creates a lot of opportunity for independent people, but for independent production companies, it's actually really, it's a challenging environment to survive. And so for us, we, we continue to be driven by this idea and passion, and we've forged, gone into new businesses, yeah, you know, we do, a, we do a con, seven. we do a, a really successful con in LA and, and in New York, and we never had any con experience, but we just felt like there was an opportunity and there was an audience and that the people who, who shared our beliefs might want to come together, and they did. Right, so that's, I, I definitely want to talk about DragCon. Um, the economics, of, I mean, this is a gigantic beast. I interviewed Jim Ladder about yeah. Forbes, well, about this thing yeah, a couple days ago, wrote it about this basement ballroom in, uh, in uh, Century Plaza 10 years ago, and 1,400 people showed up, and now 75,000 or 80,000 show up. Sure, you guys are on the same rocket ship, right, with DragCon. Talk about who shows up and what kind of audience and why you want to do a live event, what the, the, the win is for your audience and for your own company. Well, I think, you know, it, it's funny, Drag Race you know, has been on the air for, for 10 years and has been a sleeper in, in many respects. It began on Logo and over time we began to wonder, well, who is the audience? People who watch Drag Race are very passionate and engaged with it. And what was so interesting was when we provided this opportunity for them to actually come and be in this physical space, because they don't, they don't look like an 18 to 34 demographic. It is multi-generational. It is incredibly diverse. Uh, you see so many families with kids, kids often bringing their parents. And I think, I, I suppose in a way, it's just as, as with VidCon, I think, we are in the screen age. We spend so much time looking at screens that the opportunity to actually physically meet people and interact with people, I'm sure that's the appeal of VidCon and DragCon. It's like, you, you know, you can't beat meeting someone, right? I mean, and, and the demographic for us was really surprising. It's much more fluid than we ever expected in that, you know, it's 50-50 female-male, it's, it's, you know, I think there's a perception that it would be just, you know, Something. all, you know, all Very day beautiful. everybody would be wearing high heels. There's never enough high heels for me, but, um, but, but it's not that, because it's, it's just people who identify with being an outsider. Sure. Your t-shirt's going to be in your shops that says everybody's an outsider very soon, right? You're going to trade yes, that. Yes, yeah. on, uh, <laughs> six, six, five, six, six, five, guys don't miss a beat. I like this. So let's talk about the retail operation, because that's, that's a long way from any independent pub or producer that I know in, in Los Angeles or beyond. What made you all decide to create a physical retail space? Obviously, it's right there below you, but you have below your production facility, but still, uh, and, and on a fairly high dollar stretch of Hollywood Boulevard, such as Hollywood Boulevard is, what made you decide to get into retail? That's a whole other universe. Well, one of the, 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 there's a little bit of a story in the, when we moved into the building, what's it called, a lover's package? We're renting 
the, the retail space, and it was essential. A touch of romance. It was an adult-oriented place. It was like a candle shop, but it was well. It's what they do with the candles and really yeah. 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 So extra large. Short story long, they moved out, and we were, we had the space, and we were like, well, we should throw it just sitting empty. We had a storefront, mm -hmm. and as of last year. We have the added bonus of RuPaul's star on Hollywood Boulevard is right outside. How'd that happen? I don't know. It's a lot of phone calls. I really like the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, and they really like you. That's great. And people are always taking their picture, and uh, so so we thought we should do this because we have a merch store at Drag Con, and we sell one of the popular things is the shave button. You know, like at Staples, those big red buttons. You whack it, and it's the shave. It always sells out. We cannot keep it in stock. That's amazing. That's an hottest seller. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, now you'd be able to have that in in your video where you hit that all of a sudden shade. I should have broke one. That would have been. That would have felt bad. So it's all right. I mean, that. But it seemed like a natural evolution to to be doing merch and also we use that space and regularly have uh, art shows there. It's a gallery as well, and you know, there's so many artists and artist relationships at World of Wonder. It all. So much of what we do, weirdly, is yeah, kind of organic. Like it just seems the next, the next step. The next step. And you know, this is we're in the middle of the retail apocalypse, as they like to say in the delicate terms in the Wall Street Journal. So it's interesting to get into retail. I mean, how how is the store doing? It's doing great. I think our goal really is to create a space for people to come to. I mean, Hollywood Boulevard is a destination for people. It's. I think often, many times you hear people say how disappointing. Is. They show up on Hollywood Boulevard and there's not Adam Tussauds, uh, it's okay. You know. But also, you know, we're going to... There's not much, right? The Chinese theater, if you want to go see a movie, you can see a movie anywhere. I get it. People's footprints and yeah. cars. I mean, there's mooses, it's a drink. Yeah. But, uh, so I think we really want to increase the experience for people and have more events. And it's just a great place for people to come because, again, in, a, in an increasingly virtual space, I think what is unique is the opportunity to have a physical experience. Absolutely. You all are in a lot of different areas, physical spaces as well as online. Are you all looking at new platforms or things like video games, a RuPaul video game? Makes my head spin, but but a uh, uh, AR and augmented reality opportunities or any of that stuff because you guys have been pretty adventurous. Our reality is always augmented, but um, but we purple and sequins and awesome. I think we, I get it. we are definitely that is one area that we are talking to other gamers and and there is something actually in development right now. It's definitely a new world for us. We'll announce that next year, I take it, so. Yeah. I, I think it's all about telling stories, and I think you can tell a story in an infinite number of ways. And I think that's so exciting. You know, Granny and I come from, an from a scripted, unscripted background, unscripted background. And it used to be that documentaries were this sort of dire medium that no one really wanted to watch. But I think technology has advanced a sense you can tell a story factual story in so many ways. And, and what we love about stories, and especially factual stories, is that truth really is stranger than fiction. And sometimes you just can't make this stuff up. You know, and and, and, and we're, we're still old school as well. I mean, we, we have probably, I think we have four or five like single feature-length documentaries in production right now 
that we are financing ourselves, have different director, amazing directors who are directing, and they're, each one of them is, uh, you know, really special stories. So. That's great. So I think we've run out of time. Give these guys a big hand. Mark So that's our show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Randy Barbado and Fenton Bailey of World of Wonder in Los Angeles. It's a great show, uh, great conversation, and lots going on there. I'll have more to report from Comic-Con as I wade my way through all this stuff. In the meantime, if you like the podcast, please rate, review, and share it. Subscribe. Do all those great things that uh, make the algorithm machines think that this is a thing that other people should hear. I hope you agree. You can be a supporter if you'd like as well. Anchor.fm, which uh, hosts and syndicates my programs, uh, makes that possible. They also enable the ability to leave audio comments, no matter where you hear this, that I will get. It's like uh, being able to send a letter to the editor, only it's going to be a voicemail to the editor. I think it's a pretty nifty little function, and please give it a try, and maybe it'll uh, spark another conversation. If you went to VidCon, leave me a note. Let me know what you thought about it. If you're at Comic-Con and surviving, let me know how that's going for you, too. And uh, maybe we can connect I'll be at uh, several gatherings and shooting a video and uh, moderating a panel a day the rest of the time here through the end of the weekend and much else. So in the meantime, I hope you're well and I look forward to talking with you again soon. This is David Bloom for Bloom in Tech, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.